Hey folks, thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get as seen by as many eyeballs as possible. You can also directly support Sex Talk as a super fan on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash sextalk with Erica Miley. And for just the cost of a cup of coffee, y'all, you should know I love my coffee. (laughs) You help Sex Talk with editing, hosting, and getting the word out to others just like you. Help to spread curiosity about sex and keep the knowledge bombs dropping to everybody that has or wants to have sex. And a big thank you to those of you who've already become super fans. You're rock stars, and I so appreciate you. That's patreon.com slash sex talk with Erica Miley. All right, let's get into the episode. Sex talk with Erica Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sex just isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Erica Miley. Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I'm so tickled. I want to thank Twitter for all of the wonderful, wonderful humans I get to connect with. And I connected with just an incredible human being. (laughs) I want to welcome Mistress Harley, also known as the tech dom to my show. You are a financial dominatrix and a tech dom. I cannot wait to hear all about your story. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here with you, Erica. So tell me all the things you offer. Oh, wow. I don't offer much. It's about (laughs) what they offer me. (laughs) The crux of financial domination is that in a traditional BDSM submissive dominant relationship, there is a power exchange between the submissive person and the dominant person. And the idea of financial domination is that we know money is one of the most powerful things in our society. And because Mm. it's powerful... There's a lot of eroticism, a lot of Mm -hmm. feelings around money. And when a submissive person gives their money to a dominant person without any expectation of anything in return, that is a very submissive act for some. And for some, it's an act of worship and devotion and caretaking. And for others, it's an act of humiliation of being robbed and ripped Mm. off. And I know it's hard to believe, but some people love that feeling. Yes. I feel like we have, as a culture, have a misconception, or maybe we've, maybe as a culture, we've been trained to think this way. Hmm. That everybody likes things the same way. We don't. We just fundamentally don't. (laughs) That's so true. And I have a lot of books on Amazon, but my best-selling book is called The Scam Book for Guys Who Love to Lose. And spoiler alert, you open it up and it's empty. (laughs) Ah! Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I feel like I want to go buy one and make it a journal. I think you should. (laughs) I encourage that, Erica. (laughs) So how did you get to this niche? Like there's the big umbrella of sex work and then... There's the world of BDSM, right? Like, how did you specifically get here? I was actually in the BDSM scene in San Francisco in the Mm. before times when there was no coronavirus. And I was playing recreationally. And so what that means is I would go to a club and I would meet people there and we would talk about what we wanted to do. 
And mm-hmm. I would often end up beating the crap out of somebody with whips and chains, all the traditional dominatrix stuff you think about. And eventually, because I'm hot, people started <laughs> offering me money to top them. And I thought, well, mm. this is brilliant. And at the time, I was currently working your standard nine to five high tech Silicon Valley job. I worked in the games industry as a technical project manager. And I thought, mm. boy, if I can make money doing a thing I like, then why am I waking up so early every day? And as uh. I started to explore the world of being a professional dom, I Mm. realized that there were all these other fetishes. I started doing my homework. My master's degree is in library science and information technology. So I did some research and I discovered this fetish of financial financial domination, also uh, hashtag findom for short. And Mm. I thought, well, this is brilliant. Why would I go anywhere and do anything and meet any of these people and talk to these losers if they'll just give me money for doing nothing? And thus began my illustrious career of taking money from men who wanted to give it to me. That's incredible. It's incredible that, in, well, first and foremost, I love that your degree is in library sciences. This is how, that, let's be completely honest, this is how the smart people are going to rule the world. <laughs> like just that just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. You obtain the knowledge and then you use it for power. I just love that. I love that you specifically looked at what you really wanted to do with your life. There isn't a I think that might be and we're going to get into some myths and misconceptions I think about sex work here in a little bit, but I I'm not hearing this story that we're often told about sex workers who were abused and trafficked and all of these things. It's not to say that those things do not happen. They do. But there are people who choose this world and choose this work because it's good work. Yeah, it's empowering. It is financially rewarding. I am allowed to set my own hours, my own limits. I don't talk to people I don't want to talk to. I don't Mm -hmm. take anybody that walks through the door. So I'm completely in charge of my own life. When I get sick, people still pay me. When a family member is old and decrepit and I want to go be with them, I still get a ton of money. And so... Mm Every traditional job I've ever worked would never provide that for me. And I think that the conflation of sex work with sex trafficking is one of the most unjust Mm -hmm. legal issues in our society because it stigmatizes all the people that choose this lifestyle because it is a better lifestyle for them. And it lumps them in with a group of people that do exist that are slaves And Mm -hmm. the laws to help the slaves often stigmatize the people that have chosen the work. And I've talked a lot about SESTA Mm -hmm. and FOSTA, which are laws that were passed last Mm -hmm. year that are aimed to fight sex trafficking, but they end up actually hurting legal sex workers. And I do want to say that as well. I'm a legally incorporated business. I commit no crimes. I'm not a prostitute. Mm -hmm. So... There's no reason that I shouldn't be able to advertise or have a bank account or have a website. And these are intellectual freedom issues that as sex work and sex trafficking are conflated, they become bigger and bigger. And so if you're a feminist and you care about women being able to have jobs, 
you should care about both groups of people, the trafficked people who need freedom and the legal workers that have chosen this industry to work in. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Like this sex workers essentially being lumped in with those who are being trafficked, essentially, to me, pulls out any autonomy that you would have. Exactly. Which is something the patriarchy loves to remove from women. Mm. The idea Mm. of autonomy. And unfortunately, some of these laws I just referenced that were passed, SESTA and FOSTA, they actually made it harder for law enforcement to catch sex traffickers. So as a result of these Mm. laws, there are no more Craigslist personals. There's no more Backpage. And Backpage was actively assisting the Department of Justice whenever they thought there was a sex trafficker on their website. So now those people Mm -hmm. are driven further underground and the legal workers have a harder time operating and staying independent and autonomous. So we really need to look at some of these tactics of the government and think about Mm -hmm. who is it helping, who is it hurting. This stuff only hurts both groups of people. So how is that just? Yes, absolutely. And you talking about like, it hurts every person involved, especially like, I I think you made an excellent point in the the law enforcement way, right? But guess what? It's going to make it harder to actually prosecute crimes that are actually being committed. Right. If the marketplace is open, it can be regulated and observed. And when Backpage was turning over documentation to the Department of Justice, when they said, oh, shit, we think we have an underaged person or a trafficked person here, there was even a memo. The Department of Justice said it's too hard to go after Backpage because they're too cooperative with law enforcement. And so now there's no tracking down those people because that marketplace is gone. Mm. So I do want to make sure that we talk about like some of the, because we're already, we've already referenced it, some of the biggest misconceptions about, well, domination overall. But what are some of the misconceptions about what you do? Well, oftentimes people think that there's sex involved in the kind Mm -hmm. of work that I do. And I'm sorry, it's not work. It's an art. And Mm. there is no sex involved. I have never had sex with anyone that's paid me, in part because I'm disgusted by those human beings. Why would I do that? And I think that not all (laughs) sex work is what people think it is. So not all sex work is illegal. Cam girls, strippers, dominatrixes. These are all legal forms of work. And also we pay taxes. I probably keep more schools in California open than any other uh, individual (laughs) citizen. And I think that when you really evaluate what a point of domination and submission is, it's that the dominant sets the rules. One of the reasons I'm a dominatrix Mm. is because I'm a control freak. I want to be in Mm. control. I don't do anything I don't want to do. As the song on my album goes, I'm not one of them internet hoes. I don't even got to take off my clothes. So (laughs) I make the rules. I live by the rules. And anyone that doesn't follow the rules gets kicked out. And that's why I live this life. And other women who have found this path for themselves that is appealing and satisfying, I think 
we just want to be represented as a legitimate autonomous group of business owners because that's what we are. We're all independent business owners. Fundamentally. And when I heard you talking about like the nine to five and how much that had like, and then how that had influenced the choice to do something that actually gave you more freedom. I heard entrepreneur. That is what I heard. That's right. And I realized that working the nine to five, or as our parents called it, the rat race, that's Mm. modern slavery. You have to show up. You're in economic slavery to your employer. There are always repercussions to you if you don't do what they say. And then I don't know if anyone's read The Brave New World of Work by Ulrich Beck, who is a German sociologist, but he talks about shifting the burden of things like healthcare uh, from the state to the employer and then from the employer to the individual. And that's a big trick of capitalism. So by Mm. being an independent business owner, I am not beholden to anyone for my healthcare for my sick days, for having to show up to a place. And so this is actually a lifestyle Mm -hmm. I consider to be free. And before, I was in chains. And modern slaves aren't in chains. They're in debt. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes, we could... Who knew we were going to turn the sex podcast into an entrepreneurial leadership podcast? Because it is that you and I made a very similar choice when I went into private practice. It was very much my, it, the, my, the Center for Mental and Sexual Health is my business. And I am not at Wonderful. risk of any employer deciding that today was my last day. If I did, exactly. you know, that's on me. <laughs> that's not yeah. on anybody else. And I mean, I don't know about you, Mr. Harley, but I've worked in right to work states and states that the where the rights were squarely with the employer and they could terminate you in without much cause. And so we think we have like we have the illusion of choice. But in reality, we are much more bound when we are having to work for an employer and get health care and things like that from an employer. Exactly. I actually did a cable access show last week with a Harvard Law guy. And I said that sex work isn't oppressive. Capitalism is oppressive. It's not sex work that's Mm -hmm. exploitative. It's capitalism that's exploitative. And don't get me wrong. I have profited under this system. I just think that there's Mm -hmm. a distinction between people who work for themselves and Every dominatrix I know works for herself and Mm -hmm. working for someone else. And I like the power to be me on top. I don't know about you. Ah, Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Yes, absolutely. So I think it might be important for folks to understand like who your ideal client is. Not every dom is for every submissive. So how do you find your ideal client or how do they find you? They find me, of course. I have a lot of websites, mistressharley.com, loserhallofshame.com for guys who <laughs> want to be exposed as total losers. And so, of course, I also have a large social media presence and following. I have been on The Doctors on CBS and Gadget did a beautiful documentary on me. And of course, I've done interviews with like the International Business Times and Playboy and Vice. So these people find me. I don't email them, they email me. And part of my application process that they have to complete is to tell me how they can be an asset to me, 
How are Mm. you as a submissive going to make my life better? Sometimes that's a guy who can afford to pay me $10,000 a week. Sometimes that's an artist who can create art for me or someone who's very knowledgeable with IT where I can say, okay, make a script for me that does this because I could do it myself, but that's time, energy, and effort that Mm -hmm. I could be better spent in the bathtub with a glass of champagne. So I structure the relationships that I have to always be the most beneficial relationships to me. And the people that get involved with me know that that is their job. And if they don't want to do that, then they can go be in a relationship with someone else. I think that that, you and I were talking before we started recording about how a good relationship will make make the relationship, right? And that it, it works the same way, very similarly in therapy, that I'm not the best therapist for everybody, but I'm a great therapist for certain people. And when we're talking about sex work, we're talking about a very similar kind of intimacy in different way and a different environment. But we're talking about an intimacy that essentially that person who is submissive is handing a lot of power to you. And that fit has to be right for that to be the case. That's exactly right. And it's important to both of us, the dominant and the submissive, that I'm the one being pleased because they receive pleasure, both sexual pleasure and just interpersonal pleasure from knowing that they can please a woman like me, a woman who is demanding and strict and takes no shit. And so Mm -hmm. if you can make me smile, if you can make me laugh, that is pleasure received for both of us. And I don't feel that my part in the relationship is to fulfill someone's sexual needs. That's disgusting. That's not what women sit around thinking about. How can I fulfill the sexual (laughs) needs of strangers? No. I sit around thinking about how can guys do things for me, like buy me shoes, buy me properties, sell their cars and houses for me. Uh, I've had guys cash out their 401ks for me. But some of my favorite relationships and a lot of other sex workers who are not dominatrixes will tell you the same thing are the guys who pay $5 a minute just to talk to me about Star Trek and horror movies and other things that I enjoy. Hey, quick break from the action. Sorry for interrupting y'all, but it's important to acknowledge that life has become seriously difficult for many of you these days. With the world feeling chaotic, I mean, I don't know about you, but a pandemic sure did it for me. So many big feelings about all of it and the state of our world. It's impacted our daily lives. It's hindered us from planning and interrupted our mental and sexual health. I just want to take a minute to remind you that I'm not just a sex nerd. I'm a mental health therapist and I have a team of other like-minded badass therapists that are able to help you out. All my therapists are experienced and have been trained around sexuality, along with direct consultation with me if they need it. My mental health practice is completely online. So you can stay your butt at home and you don't have to park anywhere. It's really great that way. (laughs) With the lighter restrictions because of the pandemic, we're able to serve more people all over the United States and expats living all over the world and immigrants from all over the world. Just head to mentalandsexualhealth.com and sign up for a free consultation. I'm adding more highly trained therapists regularly, all comfortable. We're talking about sex. Again, that's mentalandsexualhealth.com. Okay, let's get you back to the show. I mean, the Star Trek nerds 
We are a vast army. (laughs) (laughs) We are. I don't know if you know this about me, but I was actually featured in the Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, which did have a theatrical global release. And so many boys emailed me, did I just see you in the Star Trek (laughs) What We Left Behind documentary? Absolutely, you did. I have a little pop of Deanna Troy that sits on my desk because I wanted to be her when I grew up. (laughs) I love that. She's got all the power. She wears the tight bodysuits. Guys do what she says. I can see And she's the only one that can like tell Picard to sit his ass down (laughs) and take a rest day. (laughs) Yeah, her and Beverly Crusher. Mm -hmm. uh, They were incredible people to look up to growing up. So the pleasure part is, of course, important in being a good client. But how else can someone be a good client? Well, are you talking about for me or for all sex workers? I mean, perhaps let's talk about a little bit about both. Because I imagine for you, it would look a little different than maybe if somebody was wanting to have like an intimate sexual relationship. Exactly. I would say for me, bring the most money, make the most sacrifices, know that it's all about me and that you'll probably never get off unless I feel like you deserve it. And that's still alone, Mm -hmm. maybe crying. (laughs) (laughs) For all sex workers, I would say it's important to negotiate limits and always be very clear about what you're looking for as a client in this relationship. If you're looking for a specific sex act, you have to say that. No one is a mind reader. If you are looking for the kind of relationship where you are never even acknowledged, you have to say that. And then you always have to be respectful of a sex worker's limits. I don't do nudity. I don't have sex. You got to pay me 10 grand to even be in the same room with you. So Mm. be respectful of those limits. Oh, God, and don't ask for a discount ever. (laughs) I told you before we started recording, when people ask me for a discount, I charge them double. Yep. Time to raise your price, as Jay-Z said. (laughs) That's right. I didn't know that he listened to my album, but I think maybe he did. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, let's talk the album here. I really want to talk about specifically... The song that I just, it hit me. I was just like, oh, this is like an anthem. I need to put this as my ringtone. Ten Pimpstress Commandments. Yes. (laughs) You just got me. That's all. (laughs) I'm so glad I got you. One of the reasons I make art, I'm not just somebody that interacts with other people, but I make art in the form of music, videos, even t-shirts and books. I do it all because I feel that By making art, you expose these ideas, infectious, insidious ideas to people. And I love hip hop. I grew up on hip hop, but so much of it is misogynistic and homophobic Mm -hmm. and terrible. And I just thought, what if I flip this completely and I make it just as offensive, but from the female perspective? So if Ice-T can rap about exploiting, pimping, and slapping bitches, why can't I do that? As a feminist, I believe in equality. When really, not equality. I believe in female supremacy. So (laughs) 
I wanted to create an art form to get my agenda across. And also for people maybe like you or maybe other kinky people who have had all of these thoughts and have no representation in mainstream music or media. You got to watch Fifty Shades of Grey and don't tell your mom. Mm -hmm. And then you want to be Christian Grey, you know? Mm -hmm. So... I thought, yeah, this is lacking. Mm -hmm. And so I think of the genre of music, and I'm also working on making a film as well. But I think of it as femdom exploitation, just like there's genres of exploitation that men are involved in or specific ethnic groups. And so I'm even, I'm Jewish. And so I enjoy Jewish exploitation films like The Hebrew Hammer. So I thought it's time. It's time for femdom exploitation. Yeah, I feel like you are saying something that I, many, many of my my female identified clients talk a lot about this fear of embracing their sexuality or their sense of empowerment around their bodies, their body autonomy, and doing it in the way that actually feels right to them. Like you getting to say out loud exactly what so many male rappers have gotten to do for the last 40 years that coming from a woman would be, for so many of us, we would be shunned and, and told that we were wrong, we were bad, and that's not a place for us. When in reality, there's so many women who would love to be able to say exactly what you said in that song. That's right. And I feel the same way about my body. Uh, for some of your listeners who maybe aren't familiar with me, I have tattoos literally on my face, all over my whole body. I have giant, extra large breast implants. And I've had other women say stuff to me like, I would love to do that, but other people will judge me. And mm. I always say, don't give a fuck what other people think. Do what makes you happy. And in following your happiness, you will get to self-actualization, the point where you don't care what other people think. If you're familiar, I, as I'm sure you are, Erica, with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm -hmm. self-actualization is at the very top. And I feel like I've planted a flag in self-actualization. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to have face tattoos and giant boobs and look really hot and then use my hotness to manipulate men because they use society to manipulate us. And I feel like turnabout is fair play. And I hope that your female identified clients get to a point where they can embrace those things about themselves and maybe give the middle finger to the patriarchy while they're doing it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I want I want a glittered middle finger to the patriarchy like on a shirt or like just on my desk or something. <laughs> so, I know you all also are offering trainings and things. <laughs> I know you're offering trainings and like you are more than willing to help women who are actually interested in getting to this type of domination. Tell me a little bit about that and tell me what else you've got going on. What's coming out? What's going on with you? I know we're all oh, my goodness. not doing as much as we did before, but... <laughs> well, anyone who's interested in learning more about how to be a financial dominatrix or I also specialize in high-tech domination, which means I take over guys' phones, computers, bank accounts, social media, 
all of that stuff is really powerful in our digital society. And uh, so mistressharley.com forward slash learn to dom, D-O-M-M-E, learn to dom. I'm happy to help women find new ways to be financially independent, to empower themselves, to embrace their sexuality and their bodies and who they really want to be. And I just think that if more women who wanted to take control in this way did, they would all be happier. But as far as what's coming up with me, I am working on my second hip hop album now. I have to say it's gone a little bit into the nerdcore realm, if you're familiar. I can't stop thinking about how Lois Lane treats Superman like shit, but he still wants her, so he must like it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so there's a little preview for you and the listeners. And then, of course, I do want to do a film. Oh, yes. And you were saying you were in the middle of making a film? Did I hear that right? We're in the middle of the planning stages. Coronavirus, Mm -hmm. of course, has changed the world in the least pleasant ways for those of us who actually hire people to do work for us. And so I have plans for a film and I'm slowly working on it, talking with all the people you got to talk to to get these things situated. Because unlike most things, I can't self-produce this. But even my album, I had to go to a studio to record with a sound engineer, etc, etc. So I'm trying to figure out how to do a lot of these things while coronavirus has limited the world. And unlike some people, I'm just too rich to get sick. So (laughs) everything's on hold for me pretty much. But I'm doing the podcast rounds. I'm still doing interviews. I just had one come out with Vice like two days ago about cum eating fetish, which I know sounds so gross, but it is something people are into. No, people are into so many different kinds of things. It is Do we actually allow ourselves a consensual way to accomplish said thing we are into? And have you dealt with whatever shame that you have wrapped around that thing you're into? Yes. I tell people to learn to love the shame. That's really where freedom is at when it comes to those kinds of feelings that are suppressed. But... I love seeing the different things that people are into. I've been a professional, meaning this is my only form of income for the last six years. And sometimes people still surprise me. I mentioned I'm Jewish. I have a lot of Muslim customers that like to engage in religious and blasphemy play where they Mm. call me Allah Harley. And I didn't invent that. I didn't come up with that. My customers did. Mm -hmm. And so often someone calls you and they tell you their desire. Mistress Harley, please don't make me eat my own cum. Okay, well, you brought this up. Mm -hmm. I did not. (laughs) (laughs) You handed me the card. Thank you. Right. And it's much the same for you as a therapist, I'm sure, where people bring up, well, I have an issue around this. Okay, well, I didn't know that. What is this issue you have? That's exactly right. Like the either that or it takes a little bit of time as they start to get comfortable with the process and comfortable with that kind of intimacy because the therapeutic relationship is intimate relationship, even though it is not like you would have a relationship with a friend or what have you much like a dom and a sub, that relationship is intimate. It may not involve sex, but it is still intimate. And so that all of that 
it all of it matters. And when you get that opportunity to really connect with somebody like this, like even if you're beating the hell out of them or or taking over their bank account, like it's still intimacy. It is intimacy. And I've been very open. I'm because I'm Jewish. I've had a therapist for like a decade. And I like to treat my therapist as another adult where sometimes if a client says a crazy thing to me, I say, all right, you're another adult. My client wants me to make them get castrated. Is that crazy? As long as they go to a real doctor, not me personally castrating them. And there are actually a lot of subs I have that are questioning their gender identity or need to Mm. be given a little nudge in the direction they already want to go. I actually liken it to being a personal trainer. A lot of people want to lose weight, but they know they're not going to do it by themselves. There has to be accountability. There has to be money spent because that's showing that you actually value this thing that you want. And so I really consider some of my interactions in this way, where if someone comes to me and says, I want to be castrated and on hormones, I say, okay, well, let's make that happen. Mm. I'm the only one that's going to make you do it. And so I have several subs that are trans or NB, as in non-binary people. Mm -hmm. And I feel that our relationship is integral to their gender journey. I'm really glad that you're bringing a light to this because it might be us. Yes, we are. So just this, the picture that you're painting of, of serving so many different types of person, I think is an excellent light to shine on your work. Because again, we have this assumption, let's bring us full circle, right? This assumption that everybody likes the same thing and that we're all supposed to be in this very small little box. When in reality, the choices are varied and our, our fantasies are varied across the population of the world. So I'm just glad that you are out here serving your niche and doing a badass job of it. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing. And how do people find you in the world? My pleasure. MistressHarley.com. I'm on Twitter at TechDom, T-E-C-H-D-O-M-M-E. Or you could just Google me. There is a Google knowledge panel about me where you can find all my links, all my interviews. My album is, of course, free to listen to on YouTube, Spotify, Napster, all the places that music are. But I'm inescapable. If you look for me, you can find me. Thank you again. Folks, thank you for sticking around to the end. And go check out Mistress Harley's stuff. Like You will not regret it. I'm definitely putting... 10 Pinterest commandments in the show notes. It'll be there for you to easily find. Y'all have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time.